in the factories, we've studied in the schools, but we are here to bring you some poetic voices that I tell you will leave you smiling, will give you something to think about. But enough of that, let me introduce my friend Misha Danduta, poet extraordinaire, master of many cultures and languages. Misha, welcome. Oh, my God, Rick. Good evening, dear listeners. Good evening. I am completely overwhelmed, and I feel myself privileged to be a part of this wonderful poetic serial which reached already its 17th episode. Uh, But after all those wonderful things Rick told about me, I feel so, I feel, I feel so, uh, I feel like like getting ready, like like flushing, and uh, my the, the strong emotion is uh, overwhelming me. I'm not sure I would be able to to say what I had prepared for today uh, about the poets that uh, which we are going to present during this very special 17th episode. Thank you very much, Rick. Thank you for your love for poetry. Thank you for your generosity, and last but not least, for your immense energy. Ladies and gentlemen, if meeting Rick in the middle of the night, in the morning, in the evening, he would always be that strong, energetic, and uh, uh, poet that that nothing is able to defeat him, which will be always the winner fighting against all the bad causes of uh, of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rick's piece of Rick. I am privileged to know you. I'm privileged to be a part of this serials of part of this serial. Ladies and gentlemen, this uh, 17th episode is uh, um, of our serial is presenting a very original 
uh, but I think very well managed combination of poets. Um, they are two ladies and a gentleman, a young poetess from Romania, Nicoleta Crete, a very talented voice of uh, the middle generation or of a young uh, towards middle generation of Romanian uh, lady poets, a unicate uh, original voice, but in the same time, a very modest person, uh, sometimes even too modest. She deserves much more being promoted. She deserves being she deserves deserves being much more promoted than she is until now. And I'm sure you will agree after listening to her uh, to her poems. She's also a teacher, a teacher of English, so an educator, as so beautifully puts it, Rick. Uh, and she's able to translate her own poetry into English. We have also Julia Ilmas, which was present to the voice of uh, uh, of uh, uh, Bill Peters, of William Peters Sr., a great or American poet, publisher, and editor, editor of books, editor of uh, of um, literary magazines, and a great promoter of contemporary uh, contemporary poetry. Uh, the owner of uh, the prestigious uh, publishing house. Uh, inner child press. Uh, William is going to recite also to read some poems by Julia Ilmas. Julia, a great uh, feminist voice, uh, an author coming from Turkey and uh, uh, and settled in the United States. Um, not only a wonderful poetess and uh, and novelist, but also a very talented translator into and from English, German, and Turkish. So as you can see, a very, uh, in, um, a very uh, composite combination of voices. Uh, we are sure that they will impress you, each of you, each of them, uh, with, this, with uh, one's, uh, his or her own, uh, own poetical, uh, poetical means. So ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to give place to let the floor to the poetry, to the 17th episode of uh, Poets of the East. And as uh, I understand from, I understood from Rick, we will start with Nicoleta Crete, a very talented and too shy Romanian poetess. She has, she has to be promoted more. She deserves this 100%. Ladies and gentlemen, Nicoleta Crete, a great Romanian poetess. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you all to Poets of the East, uh, our, our wonderful poets that gather together to share their thoughts, to share their hearts, to share their words, all toward a better understanding of each other and that special responsibility that a poet bears when they try to tell the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, let me bring you Misha for introductions. Misha Danduta, welcome. Oh. Hi, good, uh, good afternoon in America, good evening in, uh, in Europe. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Rick, for this uh, beautiful introduction and uh, also for this uh, actually uh, very objective and uh, uh, concrete uh, uh, mentioning of uh, uh, the main topics of our uh, today's discussion. Um, this episode uh, has as guests um, three poets, three authors, which uh, are in the same time very close to 
uh, English language, or as uh, here Bill was putting it to Americanish uh, language, uh, because of uh, translating very much into and uh, from English, and because translating is uh, the first key, the first step towards understanding, and because if understanding, we are also able to uh, to have discussions, debates on different uh, subjects, on different uh, topics, uh, uh, once a sec uh, common uh, language, a common uh, uh, conventional understanding uh, language being uh, being established. Uh, and uh, actually, uh, a big part of uh, what I wanted to say has already been told by uh, Bill and uh, by uh, and by Rick again. So it I only it only uh, comes to me the honor and the pleasure to shortly introduce each of the guests. Uh, so uh, welcome, warmly welcome here, Julia Ilmaz, um, an excellent uh, um, uh, excellent Turkish uh, author uh, that uh, lives now in the United States and is uh, the um, artistic director, the literary director of the uh, of the publishing house uh, Inner Child Press. Uh, she's also um, icon of the world feminist, an excellent, very proficient translator uh, from and into English, uh, Turkish and German. Um, I also want to kindly welcome here uh, the young and uh, very talented uh, Romanian poetess and uh, uh, translator Nicoleta Crete. She's also a teacher, an English teacher, uh, and uh, one, a big part of her uh, work consists uh, besides uh, writing poetry, also in translating poetry into and from English. Um, actually, before, before, uh, besides of being the author of, uh, if I'm not one, Nikki, uh, two poetry collections? Um, one. Yeah. One, okay. I mean, the second one is... The second uh, one is a translation, actually. Okay, so you, anyway, I mean, you are, uh, you as an author, oh, you my... are preparing uh, a second translation, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm working on. Uh... <laughs> um, she uh, also translates. So as I was saying, she also translates very much, and uh, uh, and uh, uh, she um, she she has already um, a whole collection dedicated, a translated collection dedicated to uh, to an Indian author, as far as I remember, it was Kutamastartan. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so both of uh, our uh, our guests I was talking about until now uh, have very close to the to translating from and into English, and the, our third guest, uh, William S. Peter Senior, uh, famous author and uh, editor and publisher from the United States. Um, uh, he is uh, the owner and the general director of the um, Inner Child Press um, publishing house and uh, the editor of uh, some of uh, the most admired uh, and respected poetry magazines in, uh, uh, in, uh, in the United States. Among them also, uh, I mean, for instance, they are editing um, a monthly magazine which has a topic uh, uh, each year, a specific topic, and featured poets at uh, each issue, each monthly issue, 
has to cope with the respective topics. And then the Edite also a very uh, respected, uh, respected um, anthology of uh, poetry at the end of uh, each year, one of the most respected in, uh, in the United States. Um, and uh, last but not least, as during each episode, uh, it is my uh, pleasure and honor to welcome here uh, uh, Rick Spisak, uh, the uh, main producer of uh, our serial, uh, of our poetical radio serial, uh, and uh, uh, known also as the poet of the Three Rivers, or informational sculptor, poet, performer, uh, experimental artist, and last but not least, producer and the most dynamic spirit of this uh, poetical serial, poetical, poetic uh, serial. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome uh, once again, and I suggest that uh, we start with each of you uh, uh, completing, fulfilling what uh, you think it would be good to be told about you and what I didn't manage, and uh, also inviting you to read from your creation in the limits, uh, all this in the limits of 20 minutes. So, um, I suggest that we start with uh, Nicoletta, if she agrees. Um, hello there. Thank you, Mircea, very much for this invitation. <laughs> Unexpected and uh, okay. Um, I don't know, um, I don't much like to talk about uh, myself or um, I don't know if I, if I want to add um, anything. Um, I'd say the, the poetry collection, my debut poetry collection, um, is called Femeia cu trupul de ceara, the woman with a body of wax. Um, and I think I should begin by, by reading some poems. Yeah. Okay. So maybe do you want... could, you, maybe could yeah. you betray us the title of the of the collection you are working at now? Uh, so like my my personal collection or the collection that yes, I am translating. Yes, yes. So your personal collection. Do you already have a working title? No, I, I don't. I don't have a title, or it will come. Yeah, okay. So I'm when just comes, working on. Mm -hmm. During this recording session, please let us know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I promise that. Okay. Thank you very much. So, ladies and gentlemen, just briefly be prepared. During this record session, Nikki may be inspired and tell us. Uh, tell us the uh, betray the title the working title the future title of her future collection well, if so I start with the betrayal <laughs> to my collection i don't know if, if that is going to be a good start <laughs> <laughs> okay so let us get we were talking about truth and uh, and that uh, <laughs> before Okay, so do you want me to read the poems, the poems in both um, Romanian, the original, and uh, the English translation, or just the, the English uh, version? Let's start with the English variants, and at the end, maybe one or two poems also in Romanian, okay? Okay, so I'll, I'll read the, the English uh, variants, which is... They are my variants, um, although I, I hear people say, and I also heard you saying that it is not a good idea uh, for the, the poet, the writer, to translate himself or herself. But um, and I, I must confess that I prefer translating some other people. But I uh, <laughs> I did that. I translated myself. 
please let me mention only that this mention was about myself, only about myself. I am the one not being able to, tra to translate himself. If someone manages this, I congratulate the, the, the respective person and I express my whole admiration. Ladies and gentlemen, Nikki Kreete, a wonderful poetess, which is able also to translate herself. <laughs> okay, so I'll begin with the poems. Okay, so the first poem I'm going to read is called Enlightened Poem. Fear has set down at the basis of the world to take a rest. Above its head, some ants were smashing seeds. One, two, seven, nine. But here is how from the right ear, a religion has risen, bearing long legs. The middle worshippers would worship her. The left worshippers would worship her as well. Even the worshipped ones would also worship her. And too much concord would have been there in the world, hadn't it been. But there is how, from the left ear, rage was growing up from final mood fluids, worse. The right worshippers would worship them. Even the worshipped ones would also worship them. You just hold me the candle so that I could write. So the second poem I'm going to read is called Overturned Dream. Love is a scaffold where we sleep, where we as our sleep has a sight towards birds. Don't make yourself a cradle from a watered woman's hair. A bird has built a nest in it so it could die. You are to plant it the next day and you will know that you know nothing that you know while reading on the bodies with your blinded hands. All you are left with is to tie the trees face down so that the earth should mirror them when calling you with a strange name. Picture. They are eating according to the schedule in an organized, civilized, non-conversational manner. The first one is eating the second one's left eye. The second one is eating the third one's right eye. The third one, the next one's face. The next one eating the next one's patience. So on. In case nothing relevant has been eaten to him, the, the last one is eating the first one's something irrelevant. 2020 birds. No one has come to ask me why. No one in what way, with whom, when, or where I go or become. In the roundest of pitch black, not a soul in the sight, sit aside and the bread, sit aside and the wine. 2020 birds against the window then crashed, spilling the wine over the bread turned into crumbs on the road. Open poem. I closed the doors, windows, waters, gases, lights, cars, walls, houses, days, nights, dreams, wounds, pits, streets, errors, schools, hospitals, diseases, factories, churches, governments, planets, frustrations, anguishes, 
phobias, shades, zippers, words, so that I could laugh by myself. I took a man at random. From laughter did I take him and threw him to the world so that he should find out that evil there is. It's not exactly how it is. I know I am, each time at the other end where I am. The light pulls my strings when I talk, inside the worm from the core of the thing. A sad and fear-tainted God knocks shortly. I hold his hand around as if he were a child. Three tiny shadows commit a suicide. On the bed nails, you tell me tales. Just a personal mention that mm-hmm. while while hearing those po- uh, those uh, poems, I remember that some of them I translate I translated some of them into Czech, but of course after the Romanian variants, and I was just comparing in my mind the English variant and the Czech variants I I wrote about by I made, and uh, I was thinking about what uh, Bill was saying about understanding and. Uh, change uh, changes through translation okay the, it will be a lot to discuss about sorry please continue may i ask a quick question yep. um, just from experience you know just to get some um clarity dan when you when you translated from romanian into czech and then compared to english did you see any variance in context because that's what we struggle with is losing context going from one language to another I have to admit that the strong metaphoric dimension of uh, okay. uh, of Nikki's poetry, of Nikki's poems, helped me a lot uh, because um, her, of course, there is a there is a an authentic, a concrete, a real inspiration in each poem. You know this, but okay. her poems are also very abstract uh, and. Uh, put on a, ba- on a very strong metaphorical basis. Therefore, there is no risk in translating those metaphors and uh, if taking care about it, it is no risk of changing the context. Okay. See, that's, that's critical. This is a very important, really, yeah. and uh, yeah. we will ask also Nikki about it. So, dear lady poet, Please continue. You see, you see, you didn't even finish reading your poems, and you already d- d- determined uh, scientific comments ter- concerning <laughs> their content, the metaphorical dimension, and translations. Thank you very much, Bill. Yeah, well, <laughs> if it uh, it gives birth to science, then uh, what can I say? <laughs> Just a little bit rather new one. I'm sure this, this one you haven't translated, uh, Mircea, because it wasn't uh, in that poetry collection. Who is that wandering one? People have forgotten to breathe. Fragments of void, rest helter skelter ordained on houses of them. Time for the bandstand to ring of flesh lies in where their feet shadowing earth. But coming to the shadowy glide, birds falling, birds falling, with tombs in their beaks and the quarry. 
Who is that wandering one? No Raymond or name. Who is that wandering one? Wonderful poem. Yeah, and I, I think I'm I'm going to read this one in Romanian too. It, I think it's a very good idea because it, yeah. it is very special. Okay, so I'm going to read it right now. Just Cine e acela ce umblă? That is the title. Oamenii au uitat să respire. Fragmente de gol zac orânduite de avalma pe casele lor. Vremea e să se audă orchestra. Gândește cărnii, rana lor, umbră pământului. Dar intră în alunecarea din umbră, cad păsări, cu morminte, în cioc și întrebarea. Cine e acela ce umblă, fără haine și nume? Cine e acela ce umblă? Wow! Really great, really wonderful. And uh, actually, after after your reading, after, after the reading of uh, all our guests, I will have comments uh, connected to what uh, Bill mentioned about changing the context or adapting the context through translation. I think that you managed brilliantly to brilliantly um, keep the context uh, with your English translation of uh, this uh, this poem of yours. But about all of this, a little bit later. So yeah, continue. although I had no intention of translating that one, but uh, I translated it since um, I don't know, uh, some editor asked me to give him some uh, some poems, and they they had to be new, and then I I took the liberty and the courage to do this. If, if I must know. say, even though I don't understand Czech, Romanian, uh, Bulgarian, or any of those particular languages, you know, one thing that that's interesting about poetry and listening to your poem you know, in your mother tongue, is that regardless of my comprehension of the language, there is a comprehension of the spirit that's, you know, embedded in the poem. And I think that as poets, that's where we speak from, is the spirit trying to make its way into something that's comprehensible. And I, I remember just telling you a quick little story. I was in Macedonia, and uh, they were taking me on a tour, and I went on a tour um, to watch a play, a rehearsal of a play. I did not understand not one word of what was being said, but I found myself in tears as to what was presented because of the spirit, the rhythm, and the naturalness of, you know, just like you, just what you were just, you know, recited. There's something that's beyond the words. We probably strive to touch that. You know, and that, it was a good job because it did come through. So thank you. Welcome. I think poetry is beyond understanding, actually, what, what we are trying to do, like saying that we understand it. Or it is all like something in the field of God or something like that. We don't actually <laughs> understand it. Yeah. So it's just like... A... But actually, this meaning beyond words also belongs to the translation. And I think what Bill was saying, or at least I'm trying to reformulate this in other words, is that you managed this translation beyond words, thanks to the rhythm and to the intonation and to the inflection of your voice in uh, in a language someone could even not understand, but feeling the intuition of it. A, a wonderful mention and uh, uh, and a very a complex and deep comment by uh, William Peters. Thank you very much for it, Bill. Mm -hmm. So let's continue. So I think I want to read Enlightened Poem in Romanian too. 
if I can find it. I was oh. sure you would, because it is your plan. Oh. My smoking doesn't bother anybody, does it? <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Actually, I feel a little bit of that smoke, but it's all right. <laughs> Since my poem is called Enlightened Poem. So, uh, in Romanian, it is Poem Luminat. Frica s-a așezat la baza lumii să se odihnească un pic. Deasupra, niște furnici îi spărgeau semințe în cap. Una, două, șapte, nouă. Dar uite cum din urechea dreaptă răsări o religie cu picioare prelungi. O adorau și adoratorii de mijloc, o adorau și adoratorii de stânga, până și cei adorați o adorau. Și ar fi fost prea multă armonie în lume de n-ar fi fost. Dar iată, cum în urechea stângă, furia creștea din stări limitrofe, războaie și voie. Le adorau și adoratorii de dreapta și până și cei adorați le adorau. Tu doar să-mi ții lumânarea, să scriu. Again, quite an experience listening to the original variant after Uh, after the translation, I would say that in this case it was quite a change of context, but a very inspirative one, a very inspirational one. Okay, Rick, do you think we still have time for a last poem uh, only in English by uh, Nikki, or it is already uh, yeah, too if long? If you want me to, then I uh, I can stop this if you want to. I, I you said 20 minutes, and this is why I kept on and, and on. <laughs> I don't usually. My my watch is in relative time, in quantum space. So really, anything works. Please go ahead. Okay, so, so it is. Yeah, same joke. See, so please, one other uh, one other poem in English. Something you feel it could uh, somehow put a coronation, coronating ending to this uh, lecture and also to this. Um, Uh, also to this um, uh, to, to, to these discussions. Okay, let me just. Uh... Okay, uh, it is uh, an older translation, but I am going to read it and, and a very old poem which I wrote like uh, more than ten years ago. But I am going to end with this one. Uh, in English, uh, the swans dance through the fly. That is the title. Devoid to close to close were they falling. Above in succession. At times they roughly cave in, when out of threads they come to life, brought back together. There is too much light, thus they fall, equal in parts as a distance. Thank you very much, Nikki. And uh, I have to admit, uh, with this poem, I recognize somehow your old style or older style, just as you put it. 10 years ago, and uh, when uh, actually the force of your poems was consisting more in the words, whilst today is more in the powers of metaphors. It is not a critical comparison, it is only a comparison. I don't say this is better or worse, it is just a, a very interesting change, and uh, I think it was a very good idea to end with this poem. Uh, thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It uh, uh, it was Niki Krete, uh, young and uh, very uh, talented Romanian uh, poetess and also English uh, teacher. Um,
now I would like to kindly ask uh, William S. Peters to uh, fulfill what he thinks I, it should be more told about him and I didn't manage to and to read what he prepared for uh, for our today's uh, record session. We'll be with Mr. Peters in just a minute. Now, Misha, your thoughts on the lovely and talented Nicoletta? Well, I think I could, on one hand, only repeat what I mentioned at the very beginning, or maybe fulfill a little bit about the very complex and original images Nicoletta is using, and which surprise, even shock, uh, at each verse, uh, telling about her immense talent and uh, her very complex uh, sensitivity as a poetess, and in the same time about her uh, unusual uh, erudition that she applies a lot in uh, uh, in her poem, in her uh, poetry, all in all. And maybe at least after the ending of this webcast, we should uh, call Nicoletta again and uh, ask her whether she found finally some title, at least a working one, for her new collection. <laughs> well, sir, do you want to go ahead and start uh, our uh, chat with um, with Bill? So, S. Peters, Sr., there is a lot to be told. Uh, everybody knows him. He's famous. He's famous in the world of publishers. He's famous in the world of poets. He's famous in the world of fighters for progressive causes. And in the same time, an excellent and very talented author. Uh, what I would remark in his, uh, in his case, besides his very personal talent, a, ta a native talent, a talent which, with which he was born, I guess, it is uh, his uh, very strong analytical dimension which is to be recognized also in poetry, uh, but also in everyday conversations. As you can observe, he actually was the raisonneur, the commenter, the conclusion maker of the, this whole episode. And therefore, I consider episode number 17 one of the richest we, all, we made uh, all in all during those, during those months. Uh, with all of those very deep and in the same time concentrated comments by uh, by uh, William S. Peters, and which actually leave their imprint also on his very original poetry. A poetry, and in the same time, has the power of describing what it expresses about. Ladies and gentlemen, William S. Peters, senior from uh, Inner Press Child, named and told and known and famous as just Bill. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're ready for part two of okay. Poets of the East, episode 17. Misha, take it away. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. As uh, the main producer of the, uh, of the serial and, uh, uh, and, uh, the, and uh, the host, uh, Rick Spisak was saying, second part is starting now and uh, I invite uh, 
here uh, on the invite on the floor. William S. Peters, um, author, writer, director, editor, publisher, and mainly a wonderful person. Dear Bill, welcome. Thank you. Um, you know, I, where to start? Um, I, I, I think that, you know, I, I have lived a blessed life um, to have found poetry or poetry found me. I've been committed to poetry since 1966, um, with my first book being published in 1972. Um, I've gone on to um, edit in excess, of, I mean, not edit, but publish um, in excess of 50 personal collections of poetry and other things, stories, and what have you. Um, I stopped counting at 50. That was a couple of years ago. Um, I, I've been blessed with some great opportunities that poetry have provided, which included meeting our dear friend Dan in 2017 in Kosovo. You know, <laughs> and for me, Kosovo was where my international presence started um, due to a mutual friend of ours, uh, Mr. Faradine B. Shehu. Um, you know, I, who I. You know, I went to festival and as I said, Dan was invited and, you know, we just connected there and that's been a wonderful connection ever since. Um, in my international presence, as well as national presence, I've had the opportunity to lecture at the University of Jordan in Amman. Um, I was the first non-Arab poet to present at the esteemed Jarash Poetry Festival. I've had book launches in Morocco, Tunisia, Kosovo. Um, talking about their countries, um, you know, I've been to Palestine on a couple of uh, occasions where I've written books about Palestine, um, as well as connected with various noted uh, Palestinian authors, as well as other Arab authors, um, Macedonian authors, uh, we have a few Macedonian authors as well as authors from Kosovo, and so we, we, we've been very, very blessed that the world of poetry has opened up many venues by which we got to introduce ourselves and become acquainted with other souls, such as we're doing now. Um, so I attribute all of that to poetry, the gift of words, and the gift of listening, because that's what it comes down to, us listening and um, relating and relaying the things we hear, you know, hopefully that others may hear it. So that's pretty much it, you know, um, in a short nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess I, I'll, I'll start with poetry. Um, talking about my poetry very briefly, um, I'm more of a social critique, humanitarian critique type poet. Um, where I'm writing about the things that, you know, um, hopefully I, will help me awaken, you know, from a soul perspective, as well as maybe perhaps others may relate to it um, and uh, hear something that they might feel significant. So the first poem I'm going to start off with is titled, I Dream of That Place. I dream of that place I once called home. And there is an acute longing that pains my heart when I remember. I have a distant hope to once again feel the soles of my feet touch the raw damp earth in the quiet gardens where solace grows and peace is the yield that is born upon every bud and blossom. The trees of this land offer a sweet fruit 
of content and smiles, and we, all the children, were kissed by gentle breezes and sunshine. Oh, it did rain every now and then, and we all were cleansed of our errant thoughts, and our third eye opened as our brows of sweat were renewed. There were no lamentations. Yes, I dream, I dream of that place, that elusive place that dances about me, enticing me and my aspirations for you, for the world, for the all of all things. Mutuality. She gave me her heart in exchange for that of mine own. And in that moment of mutuality, we both won the lottery. That is the place that I dream of. And that's, the, as we say here in America, that's that piece. Um, and I, I can't look at you at the same time that I'm looking at the poem, but um, I, I think what I'm going to do now is uh, do one of Julia's poems. She's a, a, a very, very prolific writer. She's uh, been an educator. She's wrote uh dissertations on, you know, on the Islamic influence in women's literature, um, you know, Occidental and Oriental literature. I mean, she is just a phenomenal person who has taught um, Turkish and also German for over 40 years at various universities, including the University of Texas, El Paso, Penn State, um, Cornell, and um, also Michigan. University of Michigan. So um, I, I'm very, very uh, honored to be a part of her life, a significant part of her life. You know, little country boy like myself that has such a, a story person in my life is very, very amazing. And um, so I, I would like to read her work. Um, her first book, she has six collections, um, you know, um, with her first collection, um, being uh, a book titled Trance, which is a uh, trilingual, which is uh, a book in English, German, and Turkish. So uh, maybe perhaps one in reading it um, can get a Turkish lesson or a German lesson or an English lesson in, in the translations because they're side by side. Um, and I, I will offer, I, I think it's a very, very significant book, and I will offer each one of you a copy of that. And if um, at the end of the show, if we can provide our addresses through Dan or myself, um, I, I'd be very much willing to send each one of you a copy of you, each one of our books. So anyway, um, I'm going to start with this one here of Fulia's, and it's titled, I Still Breathe. In the silence of the night, I breathe. And I devour everything the universe serves me, sipping each painful memory, the immense joys before me as my entree. Magic keeps filling my plate, sunshine pouring centuries galore, intoxicating moments in abundance. I am not void of vast sadness. For the dire persistence of unspeakable acts that nullify humanity do not ever let me be, nor allow me to spread the wings which were meant for me. My offerings are fragile in their built, for I carry too much guilt. My co-souls are dying, not of a gentle death. My co-spirits are suffering, not from nature's threat. But in the claws of the of a hungriest beast, against which I still do only the least, 
an act that does not suffice to help anyone fly to glory or to ease the pain so widespread to ease it a little, just a little, at least by a tiny thread of the man-made faith, oh, utter glory. In the silence of the night I breathe, just then when I am about to soar into the sky, wrapped inside the gift of my serenity, my soul eyes, my soul's eye mirror an ear-piercing cry in this silence of tears frozen in mid-air to eternity, the agony of hearts torn to non-count pieces and then forced to ice deep to their core. I still breathe. All along, I know for them, there just is nowhere else to go but into a blood-freezing abyss of their doomed destiny, crafted by the cruelest of beasts, none other than the one I continue to call, though in fact it is not so at all the human species. I still breathe. Oh, I breathe just fine. Yet my breath no longer feels divine. And as we say, that's that piece. And that was Julio Yomez. Um, as I say, you know, a wonderful writer, you know, um, wonderful poet. And as I said, I am so honored to be a part of her life path as she is mine. It's, and it's really interesting um, how, uh, how you manage to put uh, this uh, subjective contribution in reciting it. It is very clear that you understood very well uh, what, she, what she meant. And I would be very curious whether this poem was written initially in Turkish or in English. It was written in English, okay? And you know what's interesting? It, it reflects back on what we said earlier. To be honest with you, um, that's the first time I ever read that poem. Okay? <laughs> but, uh, but the spirit, I, I made one stumble, but the spirit of who she is, I have come to know so well that I know the nuances of her expression, you know. Um, so it, it's very, regardless of whether it's the first time I read any of her poetry, there is a familiarity that abides between us um, that she can read. I enjoy her reading my poetry. Oh, my God, she reads it better than I do. Um, she doesn't always get the inflection or intonation or the spirit, but she inter gets to interpret it through her spirit which is very, very charming and a lot of times enlightening for me because, as we all know, a lot of times when you write poems and someone reads them, they get things out of them that we never even were aware of that was included because the spirit is very, very subtle, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I think God or the spirit or the muse or whatever we want to call it has a sense of humor and it plays with our psyche <laughs> as much as it plays with the psyche of the hearer or the reader of the word. You know, um, you know, it sneaks things in on us that you know we don't necessarily, you know, understand. So um, anyway, you know, this, this actually inspires me uh, for another question. If you allow me, um, you mentioned about transmitting the spirit. In the same time, mm. she's a very good translator. And we all present here have also to do in our activity, not only with writing, but also with translating. Do you think that the way of reciting a poem, the way of feeling a poem, is somehow what you were calling 20 minutes ago 
translation beyond words, uh, what was so brilliantly illustrated by one of Nikki's poems uh, before. That does the intonation, does the reciting belong to the translation, to the transposition of the poem from one person to another, let's say from the author to the listener? Well, you know, in all honesty, um, things like inflection, intonation, you know, the character of how we recite, interpret, or read, um, rhythm, you know, um, all those things have an influence on what goes in and what comes out. Um, you know, like I, as a translator, um, I'm not a translator, by the way, so let's clarify that. So I'm, I can only speak about end result that comes to English. You know, I can't speak about anything that goes from, from English to another language. However, um, in, in surmising or, or considering the works, um, you know, uh, you know I, I see that a lot of times in context, there are what I perceive as flaws, okay? And I, I got to put that in context, what I perceive, um, keeping that in perspective. Um, however, there may be, may be no flaws, but let, let me say this on a personal basis. You know, I've heard a lot of comment from some very, very storied and notable poets say to me, oh, he or she is not a poet. And I, I kind of stay away from that because I, I think that once you put yourself in the realm of judgment of others and what their soul is attempting to express, you are now cutting off the gift of what may come to you if you would just stay open to receive it. Okay? So I try my best, and it's a struggle, um, to remain open. So regardless of how elementary or how ludicrous or how jaded someone's work may appear on the surface, you know, I, I try to allow the spirit of what is being said. Because as I said, muses do not necessarily adhere to our way of thinking. We must try our best to hear, not necessarily interpret, but hear, you know, what the muses are trying to say to us. What helps us is the broadening of our understanding of language. And I, I think that's where the flaws come in is that, you know, with the transition or translation or transliteration, you know, of one work to another venue or language, um, a lot of times translators, you know, um, might miss, not necessarily, well, context and, you know, the spirit, um, as well as, you know, the person writing in their mother tongue might be very vague. So how do we, how do we get that from a foreign tongue into my ear, you know, um, in a way that I understand it? So now to your question, I think it's okay for us to have different interpretations, you know, of each other's works. I think that is the gift. And the greater gift is if we can relay those interpretations back. If I say to you, oh, you know, I read your poem, you know, and this is what I got out of it. And you said, well, that was not my intent. 
Well, our intent pales by the expanse of what it could be, you know. Um, and consequently, apparently, I got something different than what your intent was. But if we share that and hit a, a, a plane of mutuality, we both become enhanced. We both grow, you know, which I, I think is, you know, important. And I think that's the, I won't say the translator's job, but I, I think that it's a sensitivity that, that a translator needs to be aware of to be receptive as opposed to being directive. Because most translators I've found like to direct the show, <laughs> you know, um, in all honesty, they like to direct the show. Um, and, and, it's, and it's quite, even though it's arcane, it's really no different than using a Google bot to translate your work if you're not going to be sensitive to the nature of the work, you know, and allow yourself as a translator to um, be filled with the spirit of the work and then relate that, you know. And forgive me for going on because this is one of my pet peeves. <laughs> so, you know. Um, well, thank It's not about forgiving you, but I'm grateful to you because it is, uh, it, it is, there were such interesting comments and explanations about the work of the translator and the, the uh, and his his role uh, not only uh, as a, a person which changes words from one language to another, but also which. Uh, adapts contexts and uh, which uh, adapts feelings and uh, uh, and uh, different ways of uh, of understanding very well yeah. pointed very well uh, very well commented thanks thanks a lot tell you, uh, tell you a real quick story we have one of our authors is um from a native from iraq who now lives here in the united states and she uh did a story a, a, a book a collection of stories about her Iraqi experiences in Iraq growing up, you know, the war and so on and so on and so on. And um, she herself uh, is, you know, she has a PhD and she has all these accolades behind her name, but still she used translators for multiple translators for each, or a translator for each story, which was multiple stories. So all this to say is that what we experienced was the quality of the translators left a lot to be desired. Now, here's the unfortunate thing. If, say, um, German is your native tongue or any other particular language is your native tongue, and, and it's not English, even if you have a working understanding or not, that you're at you the native writer at or at the mercy of the translator. That doesn't mean they get it right because they can translate words from your mother tongue into English. And I've seen that. Um, I have a, a, you know an associate um, from some years back who has taught English for 20 years, and there were still things that he got wrong. You know, um, he got wrong. The unfortunate thing is that this particular person was very stiff in reference to receiving, you know, any suggestions or insights from others because he had this qualification that he thought was written in stone. I taught English for 20 years. That, that becomes an issue. Um, as I mentioned earlier about the sensitivity, um, you know, uh, where I've seen some work that he's translated that was stellar. 
in my understanding in English, and that seems some work that was like kind of questionable. And thank you very much for this story. Actually, it integrates great into our uh, into our context and context, and uh, it gives it uh, richer uh, richer and more complex uh, content. So let us continue with uh, other poems by of yours of Julia. Oh, I got okay, so, I'm gonna read one of mine. Um, this one here is titled I Am Absolved. Okay, and uh, this is a uh, kind of a rich spiritual poem. It's called I Am Absolved. The right. demons of dark the demons of darkness are dancing with glee where the children have not yet fully awakened. The bells in the steeple are still ringing, calling home all who have forsaken their cosmic birthright in the midst of this night adorned with things which ushers forth the grand illusion. And the collusion betwixt the fall and the conspiracy sound within the heresy has stifled the sound, the sound of the calling which we have been waiting for for so many eons. My soul is screaming, let us rise, let us get up, let us dance in the night, let us dance in the light of the distant memories and the faintly twinkling, twinkling stars and the liquid luminescence of the moon. Let us dance the dance of a truth that is not moved and is not soothed by the smooth tongues of deceit. Let us speak that word known only to the great soul, that which resides within me, that word that has not been heard since life's tree has been planted in the garden. And by the four rivers I stand with eyes open and outstretched hands, that I may receive thy blessings, Father. Anoint me and hearken unto my plea, that which overflows with anguish of illusions endured and the hunger for joy still yet desired, that which emanates from within the abysmal depths of me. And I beseech thee, let not death nor her family of truthfully have its way, nor triumph this day. For the morrow when my son arises and recognizes who I am, my sorrow is reconciled, and all vile things shall no longer be, for I am awakening. And I most assuredly see the legacy of the blissful life you would have for me when I commune and realize that I am one with thee. And my soul speaks I, and, in the, and I will not deny that in the twinkling of an eye the lie is vanquished, and the ancient language of thy love will be spoken freely once again. We will dance to the tune, and albeit none too soon, and truth will forever reign as my tears rain down, and I submit to the divine acknowledgement of the presence of the holy of all things manifest. I will bask in the light of being, seeing, and no longer fleeing that inner light I could never escape. And I bow in the know that as the four rivers do flow into eternity eternally, that I too am the infinite. And that I am as I have always been. Yes, I am. And in that moment when the final epiphany greets my consciousness with that sacred kiss, I am absolved. And that's that piece. Really wonderful. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Bill. It actually it reveals for me a dimension I have to admit I didn't know about you, the religious one, the believing one. Oh yeah. Um, 
you know, be honest with you, um, you know, I, I was raised, and that's really the majority of my work comes from, maybe it won't be reflected in the poetry, but the spirit um, comes from my, my uh, religious education, and I must say Christian education, because that's the way I was raised. But I always had questions, and part of my questions what led me to poetry, because um, I, I studied, you know, uh, the various other religions, including Islam, you know, um, for the purposes of getting a broader understanding of who I was, why I was, and why there were differences between us, which, you know, um, are basically illusions, you know, because we all want the same thing, you know, um, peace, love, you know, family, education, all those particularly human type of endeavors. I don't think any of us want to starve or suffer famine or, you know, disease or homelessness or, you know, lack, you know, so to speak. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I, throughout the tenets of my studies, I, I found out that, you know, the, the basic structure of all religions is the same, you know, reverence, prayer, understanding, forgiveness, love, all those particular things, you know, regardless of what you want to call the religion or what name might you by what you call that universal spirit or God or Allah, so be it, you know, um, it doesn't make a difference. I don't think God or, you know, the universal spirit is concerned about what we call it, but just that we acknowledge it. You know, and, you know, um, make ourselves, as they say, have a contrite heart, make ourselves, you know, open to receive it, you know, um, and I, I think that's where humanity lacks. Um, not that we all need to be religious. I, I'm not, the only, my only religion is love, you know, um, you know, uh, but, you know, I, I think that the, the commonality in us all is what brings us here today. You know, um, that seeking, that wanting to be a part of, you know, um, 20 years ago, we would not, could not have done this. Not because the internet wasn't there or was there, um, but because we had no inclinations to want to go beyond our small existences, you know, uh, well, a few of us did, but, you know, but basically uh, like 20, 30 years ago, um, you know, we were culturally bound into who we were born to be, you know, and, uh, so, very beautiful comment. Thank, thank you very much. And uh, Mr. Peters has done a wonderful job there uh, and raised some very interesting issues. What do you think, Misha? Pretty yes, interesting it talk. Is, uh, it is Go ahead. a very interesting job he's doing, and in the same time, uh, very wise words, very wise um, appreciations uh, towards uh, everything is going on around literature, around poetry, and mainly around the translation for which I was uh, I was actually almost shocked. He found three equivalents, or let's say three words which are worth being used for this notion of translation. It was one of them, if I remember well, it was the classical translation. The other one, it was transfiguration. And the third one was transliteration. All those being dimensions of the translation of the process of putting a text from a certain, uh, from a certain context, I 
avoid saying a linguistic context into another context. In case it is a linguistic context, we have the classical translation. But as a poem is much more than a collection of words, as there are so many other aspects which belong to the anatomy of the original poem and which are very difficult sometimes to be transfigured, transliterated, transposed, if you want, from the first context, that means the source language, into the second context, let's say the goal language. Actually, what a translator can do, and this is a very important point Bill uh, mentioned and pointed out at here, all a translator can do is putting some words instead of other words. And uh, given the fact that, for instance, the English language is uh, so full of dialects or uh, sub-dialects, uh, it is very hard to say whether the translation into English of some poem made by someone of uh, non-English or non-American or non-Australian origins is uh, really a translation or only an adaptation of the into his personal context. A really uh, unexpected philosophy lesson from the part of uh, Dressed Bill, also known as William S. Peters, senior, very respected poet and uh, excellent editor and publisher. Thanks a lot, Bill. So, are you ready for part three, sir? I am ready for part three, and I am very curious what is going to follow, because I remember when you recorded, there were so many interesting things both of our guests mentioned that I am really curious in which way you put them on the, on the sound tape. Okay, here we go, part three. Bill, a poem of our friend Rick Spisak, when goes so well with what you mentioned here, I would kindly ask him to read that poem uh, called, uh, actually it is a poem of love, a wonderful poem of love called, Rick, please help me, Falling on the from the Tree. Oh, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, it's called Down from the Trees. Honey, baby, tell me, please, since we're not so long down from the trees, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, up in the branches or down on deeply polished floors. We like reciprocal, you and me, since we balanced on the limbs of trees. Whether out in the car or up in the tree, I'll groom you, you groom me. The only thing now that's left for us as the virus sets a fence between what we really feel and what we really mean, with you so far away on the other side of the glowing screen, miss another ride. We wave weekly. How I miss your sweet perfume and the many darling ways you decorate a room. The distance Mars, our love sealed up behind the glass screens, walls untouched. Oh, honey baby, tell me please, 
since we're really not that long down from the trees, I wish you were here to find and pluck off all my fleas, as I admire your ankles and those lovely knees. We're so isolated, out of touch, and miles away my fingers clutch in disarray, my clothes askew. Oh, what I wouldn't give for you to have your seat beside me here with your fingers searching my matted hair, even to have you look with scorn at the clothes I've piled across the room. I'd even eat the toast you'd burn if you could beside me touch and warmly turn. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Rick. Really, I think it really fulfilled this wonderful atmosphere about us. Bill was putting it love as a universal religion and argued, argumented by uh, its ministers, poets. Thank you very much, Rick, for your benevolence of reading this wonderful poem uh, for our. If, if I can, Dan, for a second, uh, Rick, you know, I, you know, um, I, I really enjoyed the poem. And, you know, one of the things that I, I strive to do is uh, when I construct is, or maybe it comes naturally, I, I play with words and rhythm and also rhyme schemes never force, but it, it just comes naturally. And I felt so naturally at home with that poem, how, you know, um, you know, the rhyme scheme was not, you know, uh, in any particular meter, it just came so naturally, you know, and it did, and it's fit in each each particular one. And I listen to those things because, to me, to me that's pure word crafting, you know. And um, I, I thank you for that. Really, really, really nice. In addition to the context and message, you know, um, which I got that to be someone you love very dearly, you know, and it was almost a, a sense of pleading forgiveness. You know, and also a statement of I am okay with you. I ask you to be okay with me type thing. You know, uh, I don't know if I got that right, but that's what I got. <laughs> Absolutely. Let me share one other brief one with you. I want to share this tribute. I tend to write in a very narrative vein. I had heard so many times and for so many years how poets seem to relish obscurity for obscurity's sake. So I tend to write in a narrative arc. But a dear poet friend of mine who's passed away from COVID, really, he, he, he almost never wrote in any kind of narrative vein. He wrote what I call poet music, just lovely words and phrases and metaphors. And he was inspiring to me. And I want to read this short tribute to him, Robert Cole, who was just a delightful poet, and this is written in his spirit. When your pen strikes such Promethean fire, brains blaze, eyes ope wide, dreams break on the silent stony rocks of eternity's shore. Still, the seagull spins on high, seeking the fish, echoes of ancient stained archaic wisdom, the aching timeless truth echoes in the golden mean. Thank you, my brother. May your exhalations propel more poet ships than Homer's heroes. Drink deep of the ancient wine, my brother, and sing those glorious songs the flowers blush to hear. A very good characterization, a very good description of this poetical style, the music of poetry, 
poetry, poet, the music of poet, uh, using all those dimensions, all those features of classical, uh, of classical poetry. Yes, a wonderful, a uh, wonderful, um, a wonderful text, uh, dear Rick. If I understand well, it was written by you in his style as a whole to him. Wonderful, really, really wonderful, and congratulations uh, for this. Um, let us continue by kindly asking Bill to read something else by Julia, if he agrees. Okay, and this one here is titled, May I Play With You? And this is from her uh, poetry book, This and That, um, which is what I'll send out um, to, to each one of you. Um, May I Play With You? A fox, bunnies, squirrels, chipmunks, wild birds of all walks of life. I welcome without the least of a, of a strife. Spiders, however, oh no, oh my, no chance. They just got to go. And not a mere to and fro. Do they really think I would ever give in? Oh no, oh my, no chance. Okay, okay. It was my fault. I was in a trance. Still, they better know none of them are welcome here. Takes its liberty way over the limit of my endless tolerance. I am passionate about gun control, mind you. But hey, if this one keeps it up like this, I won't blink a second. And believe me, I won't miss. I will shoot it to death right in each of its eerie legs. Ah, uh, what bliss. And that's that piece. Um, just to kind of give some context to that particular poem, we live in an area, we have a small backyard, okay, that edges the woods. And there, we live in a, a condo unit, so um, this common space. So the common space is grass lane, so we have a small patio in the back, okay, which is enough for us to get our patio furniture and an umbrella on. And then there's the common grass lane, and then there's the woods. So we're ones that, you know, have bird feeders and, you know, for the hummingbirds and, you know, for the woodpeckers and then the common birds. So we have two hanging seed, you know, apparatuses. Um, we have two what they call cage apparatuses for the woodpeckers and, of course, the hummingbirds and everything else. So what happens, it attracts a lot of the birds, the chipmunks, the squirrels, and even a fox. Um, we've even seen a bear run up and down here because it's, this is also bear country. Um, so that's what that poem was reflective of, is that experience. But, you know, um, you know, it's charming to see all the various uh, birds and, you know, the fox and what have you. But um, she still has an aversion to spiders and creepy crawlies. <laughs> Yeah. So that's what that was about. Yes, and actually, yes, it's uh, really very sensitive, and in the same time, kindly, mildly ironic. Uh, this uh, this poem, and even actually, I didn't know this context. Of course, I couldn't have eventually known it. But when explaining it, it fits so well, so nice together yeah. that actually, I am now surprised that it didn't occur me that it was about this uh, about this. Uh, about this topic. Yeah, um, yeah. Are giving us something else from your creation? Okay, um, this is something I, I wrote recently, and you know, I, I, I'm one. You know, there was a time I was writing 20 and 30 poems a day. Um, that was when that's all I did was write. Um, you know, uh, 
which lent to, you know, um, a greater understanding for me of poetry. And But this one here is something I wrote just the other day. Um, as a matter of fact, the 30th of March, because I date everything, uh, which I might suggest that we do date everything, because, you know, um, when I wrote the poem, it kind of also exemplifies where I was at that time. So if I look back 10, 20 years ago, you know, I can see how the character of my poetry, as well as my own character, has been modified, you know, through the trials and tribulations of life. So um, this is apropos for, and it's titled, Question Everything. Yeah, question everything. What are, is the motive? Behavioral modification? Mental colonization? Where is the exit from the box we all are trapped in? Where is the map that will lead us to that promised land where men and women and children from all persuasions can stand hand in hand with an acceptable, peaceful understanding that does not demand anyone to exercise their lower selves? Many, if not most, have, brought in, have bought into the Columbus discovered America syndrome or Jesus had blonde hair, white skin, and blue eyes theorem. But did you know that lies told often enough become folks' truth, even though their nature is still a lie? My, oh, my. Toxicity for free is fed to us via the media, social platforms, billboard, billboards, and commercial, which is everywhere. Everywhere one looks, even in the books one studied to supposedly learn. We must learn to discern or we will burn down hope's hope to acquire all that humanity yearns for. I went to the store the other day shopping for a miracle. I wanted to purchase something, anything, everything that would sate this hunger, quench this thirst that never leaves me. I did manage to quiet the rumblings, the yearnings, but for a little while. And would you know it, here I am back once again in the store looking for war, treats and tricks, seeking to cessate my insatiable need to question everything. Question everything, even the questions. That's the end. Whoa, really, a, a different bill. A different yeah. Sir William, uh, William Peters Sr., uh, but any and in the same time, it was written only two days ago. Yeah, um, the 30th of March. Oh, I understand. Two weeks ago. So yes, yeah. A, a, a completely different spirit of the same William, of the same, of the same Bill. Really, really wonderful, joyous, and like this, just putting some optimism into this uh, spring. Still uh, hoping to come. Still wait, hoping to to wait to. Uh, to eat. I suggest well, I if you agree. I, I was going to say, I got, I got to be, I make a confession here. Um, the fact that I write a lot, you know, I even get sick of myself. So I'm, I'm, you know, and the fact that, am I writing about the same thing all the time? Is this another episode of Groundhog Day? You know, um, because uh, writing about social consciousness, social consciousness is just about, you know, waking up, you know, paying attention, listening, those particular, and, you know, how many times can you tell somebody, open your eyes or open your ears, uh, stop for a minute, listen, breathe, you know, think for yourself. I mean, how many times can you say that? How many different ways can you say that? However, I must say this, um, 
You can say it a million times, but it only takes that one time to hit that one person that makes a change. You know, and I got to say that um, when I think in terms of uh, that particular statement, I think in terms of William Ernst Henley, um, who wrote the poem Invictus. Um, there was a gentleman, um, now these two people kn did not know each other, but there was a gentleman who read this poem every day for 27 years while on Robben Island. That was Nelson Mandela. So that poem affected one person who in turn had an effect on billions of people, you know? So I, I never minimize the effect of our words or the possibilities of where they can go or travel to and from. Really great, yeah, great, that great explanation, an, ex an excellent one, and uh, which puts a different light on this, uh, on this poem. Uh, yes, actually I wouldn't have uh, waited, awaited this uh, Actually, yes, almost political dimension of it, even if subliminal, uh, but which makes it even uh, more interesting. Thanks a lot, Bill. I suggest if everybody agrees that Nicoletta, if she agrees, of course, uh, would read us something from her translation work. I mean, uh, of course, uh, she, she actually translated an Indian poet into uh, Romanian and English writing Indian poet. Well, we don't speak Bengali or Hindi or something, but uh, she translated him into Romanian, one of the most uh, uh, the most uh, uh, proficient uh, poets today in India, called uh, Gutamasi Dartan, uh, and uh, he is also the uh, the editor of uh, a very appreciated cultural magazine in India called Alefi. So, Nicoleta, if you are prepared, we would be very happy to listen to. Uh, one poem of by Gutamasi Dartan in English, and why not your Romanian translation? Because anyway, Bill is able to understand it according to influences, according to uh, to your intonation and to your voice, as he's very experimented with Balkan languages and uh, uh, as he visited. And I should I I dare say that actually uh, Bill is. Uh, more uh, specific, more hours here in Southeastern Europe than we are ourselves. Sometimes he understands that's better than we are able to do it ourselves. So, ladies and gentlemen, Nicoletta reading, uh, uh, reading a poem by Gutamasi Dartan in English and in her Romanian translation. Okay. <clears throat> so I, um, I managed to also find the English version. Um... The English version is Maharati, yeah, and it, it is taken, uh, the, the English um, title of the book is called Time Birint, which I, uh, in Romanian, I, uh, I translated it into Timp de Dal, yeah, that is the title of the book in uh, Romanian. So, I uh, chose a poem of this book uh, in English, the poem in English is called Red Flame Lily, so I'm going to firstly read it in, uh, in English. So they are quite long, his poems. Um, this, this one is long too. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to begin. Red flame lily. Now time changed into a red lily flower. The smell of the land hiding landmines and the cheering odor of wings in the frozen sunshine of summer are mingling. Grasshoppers descended into the hole of the cornfield. Unlike a crowd that sits on each crop and pecks at the grains, the grasshoppers spread over the furrows and annihilated the field. The scarecrow howled at the top pitch of voice. 
the little fingers fastened to the garland round its neck drooping. They were gutted fingers of kids, fingers of women whose genitals were torn apart, fingers of activists slaughtered, fingers rotting in hydrogen bomb attacks, fingers of birds, dogs, cats, and kids, and fingers of dolls, too. The scarecrow roams about like Angulimala, wearing the garlands of fingers I am sitting as a silent witness, putting my right fingers upon the left in Bhavana Mudra. A dove has fallen at my feet in a slushy pool of blood, wings broken. As I am about to lift it, gripped by tension, Angulimala comes rushing in and pouncing. It chases me. As its eyes target my fingers, the fingers in Bhavana Mudra, it is running from Europe to Africa, from Asia to America, from Australia to Antarctica. It is running across the Atlas, taking long strides across Sri Lanka, Myanmar, Vietnam, Cambodia, Indonesia, North Korea, Rwanda, Bosnia, Armenia, Serbia, Ukraine, Algeria, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Libya. With the garlands of fingers, black, red, white, and brown, swinging and swaying, it is running madly to catch hold of me. It tells me that I have no land, nor any face, that I am a lie, and orders me not to breathe the breath, the breath of birds. All my songs have been burned. My name has been erased from books of history. The page is torn and st uh, stashed away for toilet use. As the moment stands frozen with the words bleeding, shot by bullets, I have stopped dead in my tracks and Angulimala is droning closer to me. At this juncture, a time game plays out. While my time stands frozen, Angulimala's time operates. This is the game of time played uh, on the banks of uh, Muli Vaikal, on the banks of the Nile, Amazon, Mississippi, Volga, Mekong, Danube, and Zambezi. It is a game that butchers the butterfly coming in to sit on the constantly blossoming red lilies. The legs running after me, foaming and frothing, shouted, Don't run, stop! I said, I am not running, it is you who are running. First, stop your running. It roared, saying that it won't stop, weapons raging on its feet. In the smoke of the belching gunpowder, the Maitreya flower was charred. As the billowing smoke spreads, a black blanket over the corn crops. Time changes the sprouting cereals into red lily flowers. Timelessness spreads sun's boundaries as an immortal corn crop that is burning like the lines on the skin of a tiger. Okay. Really very interesting. It was what uh, uh, Bill was talking about be, uh, a little bit before. Uh, actually not sorry it was uh, it was Rick about narrative poetry but in the same time full of uh, meanings and full of uh, metaphors uh, let us hear also as the poem is uh, quite long let us hear at least a part also in Romanian uh, yeah, Nikki. She, mm -hmm. she also has in this book some very long really narrative uh, poems they are actually fiction so I chose one like something in in between To, to read some. I'm going to read the, the Romanian version. <coughs> Crinul roșu de foc. Acum, timpul s-a prefăcut într-un crin roșu de foc. 
mirosul de pământ ascunzând mine terestre și mirosul ars de aripi în strălucirea înghețată a verii se amestecă. Lăcustele au coborât pe întregul câmp de porumb. Spre deosebire de ciorile care stau pe fiecare recoltă și ciugulesc grânele, lăcustele s-au răspândit pe brazdă devastând câmpul. Sperietoarea au urlat pe tonul cel mai înalt al vocii, cu degetele mici legate în ghirlanda din jurul gâtului atârnând. Erau degete tăiate de copii, degete de femei, ale căror organe genitale erau sfâșiate, degete de militanți masacrați, degete putrezind în atacurile cu bombe de hidrogen, degete de păsări, de câini, pisici și copii, și chiar de păpuși. Sperietoarea hoinărește precum angulimala, purtând ghirlandele de degete. Eu stau martor tăcut, punându-mi degetele drepte pe cele stângi în bavana mudra. Un porumbel a căzut la picioarele mele, într-un noroios șuvoie de sânge, cu aripile rupte. Cum sunt pe cale să-l ridic, cuprins de tensiune, angulimala vine în grabă năpustindu-se. Mă urmărește, pe când ochii săi îmi fixează degetele, degetele din Mavana Mudra. Aleargă din Europa spre Africa, din Asia în America, din Australia în Antarctica. Aleargă de-a lungul Atlasului, făcând pași mari de-a lungul Sri Lankai. Myanmarului, Vietnamului, Cambodgei, Indoneziei, Coreei de Nord, Ruandei, Bosniei, Armeniei, Serbiei, Ucrainei, Algeriei, Siriei, Iranului, Irakului, Libiei, cu ghirlandele de degete negre, roșii, albe și maronii, legănându-se și balansându-se, aleargă nebunește să mă prindă. Îmi spune că nu am pământ, nici vreun chip, că sunt o minciună și mi ordonă să nu respire respirația păsărilor. Toate cântecele mele au fost arse. Numele meu a fost șters din cărțile de istorie. Paginile rupte și depozitate pentru toaletă. Clipa înghețată în sângele cuvintelor atinsă de gloanțe. Am căzut mort pe urmele mele și angulimala s-a apropiat. În acest moment, un joc al timpului este în joc. Pe când timpul meu e imobil, timpul lui angulimala acționează. Acesta este jocul timpului purtat pe malurile mulii Vahaiului, pe malurile Nilului, Amazonului, râului Mississippi, Volgăi, Mekongului, Dunării și Zambeziului. Este un joc al măcelarilor, venirea în aripată, cu așezare pe eterna înflorire a crinilor roșii. Cu picioarele alergând după mine, tunând și fulgerând, a strigat. Gutama, nu alerga, stai, am spus. Nu alerg eu. Tu ești cel care aleargă. Mai întâi oprește-te din alergat. A urlat, spunând că nu se va opri, cu armele înfuriate la picioare. În fumul emis de praful de pușcă, floarea de gălbenele s-a aprins. Pe când fumul înduitor răspândește o pătură de întuneric deasupra recoltei de porumb, timpul preschimbă cerealele încolțite în crin roșii și de foc. Timpul lipsit de timp se răspândește fără margini precum o veșnică recoltă de porumb, care arde cu mard liniile pe pielea unui tigru. Da. Really strong metaphors, very strong, and which actually point that narrativity you were talking about, because otherwise one couldn't eventually call this a poem, but a short story. Nevertheless, it's a metaphoric content, the very strong and complex imagery, puts it clear in the zone of poetry and in the actually in the highest zone of poetry before going thank you very much nikki 
before going further, sure. I would like to kindly ask uh, um, uh, Bill whether he did understand or he did recognize something again from uh, Nikki's recitation and inflections. Yeah, I, I, I most certainly did. Um, when, when I, in the beginning of the poem, even though it was in Romanian, um, as he spoke about the shores of the different, you know, waters, you know, throughout various regions of the world, um, what came to me is that this was a poem of social commentary, you know, um, that spoke about the commonality of the suffering or enlightenment or lack thereof of us all. You know, um, and that was the spirit as to what I got. And, I, of course, I had help with the English version. However, um, you know, I, I did see that, that you know, a commonality that was trying to be, that was being evoked in the poem, you know, um, that it didn't matter where you were, that there was something in common, um, whether the commonality was that the water is wet in this region of the world just as it's wet someplace else. Or that we, you know, all have, you know, various <laughs> yet similar experiences throughout our lives. And then, of course, you know, um, the, the rhythm is different in the native tongue, which is very much appreciated. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, I think according to your uh, very complex, deep and professional comments that uh, following this record session, maybe you will start translating and you will start with Nicoletta. Who knows? <laughs> but actually... So you, so, you, so you double as a comedian at night? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Me translate? Well, I, I can barely... I'm still studying English. I know, I know. You know, it's just that you're ability of, of understanding it's so deep and so uh, detailed that actually you could almost translating without without knowing the the language okay yeah. thank you both of you nikki and uh, bill and uh, if uh, rick agrees and uh, if the time still allow us to allows us to i would kindly ask the permission to read at the uh, before finishing this record session to read also one of my uh, poems, which actually was inspired by the Prometheic action, but not so much in the Greek sense of the mythos, but as the poet being a kind of Prometheus for the, for the people. And uh, it was a poem I wrote a couple of days ago when we had the Catholic Easter, and uh, I published it on, uh, on the internet, on Facebook, just the same uh, the same day i will read the uh, the english translation uh, uh, made by my good friend the slovak poetess uh, judith omtol and then uh, my czech original uh, it is called the raven i guess he knew or he was told they weren't trusting him at all nevertheless he left his ancient winter cold, eternal night, and towards them he flew, dressed in that heavy raven skin, for bringing them the light, the warmth from heaven. For he thought this was the, his destiny, he was the raven. 
However, when he got there, and they saw how blind they were, and they had been, how ugly and how mean, they got so angry right away, and it was nothing more to say they cursed the worms, the light, and all they saw and they had never seen before. All he had brought them, also him, his love for them as well, and all the ravens in the world, they sent them all to hell. And then he stammered for the first time in his life, so sad he was, so silent and so slow. There was no place to dwell, no place to go, but that old heavy raven skin, it was within it that he found again, that ancient winter dark, eternal night, his place to be, his black ivory tower. And thus he finally understood this was his destiny, his real raven power. And now the Czech original. Thank you. Um, Havran. Ač věděl, že mu nevěří a vůbec neduvěřují z té původní temné zimy, která mu vůbec nevadila, k ním odletěl oblečen v těžké havraní kůží a peří, aby jim z nebes světlo přines a teplo, aby se ohráli. A však oni, když viděli, že byli oškliví, slepí, i hned se rozhněvali, zaklili světlo a teplo, celý havraní rod jeho, a také jeho lásku k ním. A tak on tehdy poprvé zakrákal smutně a němě, pak starém těžkém havraním peří a kůží. Znovu objevil tu starou zimu temnou, která mu vůbec nevadila a tím pochopil konečně, že právě v tom spočívala jeho havraní síla. So, this it, this it was. Thank you very much for allowing me to uh to present also uh well, won't you read it a romanian version as well <laughs> <laughs> well gentlemen i can't refuse such a beautiful poetess am i allowed to bill rick thank you actually the romanian version is the shortest one because my translator into romanian which is not a poet but a very good translator herself katerina kozlovska has a very uh, special art of concentrating the expression and the word and uh, therefore she manages to say in two words what someone else says in ten therefore the romanian version is the shortest so corbul translated by katarina kozlovska din frigun tunecat ce nu era el a plecat în pielea grea de corp spre cer și le-a adus lumina dar ei atunci Văzându-se urâți și orbi, au blestemat lumina și pe el și întregul neam de corbi. Iar el, gonit de zei spre ei și blestemat apoi de ei, a croncănit întâia dată, trist și mut, și a regăsit în pielea grea de corbi întunecatul frig de la început. So that it was, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for 
today. Thank you for accepting our invitation and uh, for your really exceptional contribution to uh, today's uh, episode. And uh, I would kindly ask Rick to uh, add what he what he thinks it would be necessary now at this uh, very moment, I dare to say, of a very special episode. Rick, please, if you agree. I do. I want to thank you all so very much. Uh, these little excursions into the wonderful world of poetic literature, into the hearts and the souls of poets, is always a fantastic, magical time. Thank you so much for bringing your hearts, your tongues, your words, your dearest thoughts to share with us. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I thank Misha as well for all the hard work that you put into this and your wonderful readings today. How nice. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you very much. All the best. And we will broadcast your webcast next week at 2 p.m. Um, New York time, 9 p.m. Romanian time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. All the best. Nikki, Bill, Rick, have a wonderful, uh, a wonderful weekend. Okay, and if I, if I might say, um, innerchildpress at gmail.com. If you send me your addresses, I'll send you some books. Thank you very much. I will. Well, there you have it. That was quite an episode, sir. Well, I'm kind of dreaming. I'm, I remember that very full, that very intensive record session with uh, the modest and uh, concentratedly speaking uh, with all those wise and very interesting constatations of uh, William Peters Sr. and uh, with the wonderful poetry of both of them and also of Huria Ilmas. Yes, you are right, Rick. It was quite an episode. Two completely different characters which unites the love for poetry and uh, the talent of making it, writing it, of translating it. That's right, an episode. You know, this actually reminds me some very, very short Katrine, four verse, four verse from Shakespeare, which he used, with which he used to end his uh, most successful theater representations, especially the sad ones, especially the ones which were ending tragically. Well, thanks God, nothing ended tragically today. It was, as you managed, quite an episode. But maybe I suggest, if you agree, I suggest those, this short, this short, I can't name it a poem because it does not fit into the era, this uh, short text Shakespeare used to recite, it is not clear whether it was his or not, but it used to end this kind of theater representations. What do you think? Please do, do you allow me to? Please do. Thanks a lot. So it was from the part of the actor to usually some beautiful girl in the public, in the audience, but in general, 
from the scene, from the stage, to the place where the audience is looking at the stage. Just hate me if you want. You're of that kind. You love the seeing ones. I'm getting blind. Rick Spisak, poetry gets us sentimentally, sensitively, and intellectually blind, and I'm happy to be blinded by poetry. Thanks a lot. Thank you, my brother. I will see you next week. Have a wonderful week, and have a wonderful night. Thank you, sir. All the best. Thanks a lot. A wonderful afternoon in the United States. Bye-bye. All the best, dear listeners. Okay. I'm going to leave with a little bit of music. And let's see what I can find real quick to uh, to amuse the amuse the soul and inspire the spirit. Oh, let's see here. Something check. What do you think? <laughs> I I should I should definitely get some. I don't have much in the way of that. Uh, I have a couple polkas in here from my Pennsylvania days. Uh, I was just going to try to stroll around and see if I can find them. And uh, let me if just I check from the here, one more. You can't broadcast it, right? I'm sorry, my friend. If I play it from here, you cannot do, you cannot webcast it. Well, if you play it and your microphone picks it up, we should hear it. Go ahead. If it is directly from my computer, it's all right. Well, let's give it a try. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, a wonderful piece of folk by Jaromir Nohavica, a famous Czech folkist, a folk singer called Sarajevo. It has nothing to do with Yugoslav wars. Sarajevo is here a kind of a metaphor of something one tries to reach and never gets until the end of uh, of one's life. So, ladies and gentlemen, Sarajevo with Jaromir Nohavica, uh, one of the most successful pieces of uh, uh, Czech. I played it now. We'll see whether it, whether it works or not. That covers everything. I'm free to create anything. Here we go. We can hear it. It is like from a concert. Great. Thank you. 
Unfortunately, music doesn't go terribly well over this system, but we got the spirit of it. And for that, I thank you so much. My brother, have a wonderful week and have a good night. And thank you for all your help putting this together. Thanks a lot and all the best, Rick. I'm honored and privileged. Have a wonderful weekend and week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's it for today, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.